Welcome to the KPMG Financial Reporting Podcast Series, delivering fresh insights and perspectives around major accounting and financial reporting developments across a range of timely topics. We thank you for joining today. Hello, I'm John Barbagallo, a Managing Director at KPMG. And in today's episode, I have the pleasure of discussing the FASB's new accounting standard update on segment reporting with two of my colleagues from KPMG's Department of Professional Practice, Valerie Basu and Tim Phelps. Valerie and Tim are both partners in our national office and work closely with our engagement teams and clients on financial statement presentation issues. Val and Tim, welcome to today's podcast. But before we dive into the details of the ASU, I'd like to start out today's podcast with a high-level overview of what the ASU does and does not do. So, Tim, why don't you start us off? Most certainly, and thank you, John. On previous podcasts with you where we discussed segments, I mentioned that the accounting standard ASC 280, as we know it today, was issued in June of 1997 as Statement 131, Disclosures About Segments of an Enterprise, and was subsequently codified as Topic 280, Segment Reporting. But remember, Statement 131 also has roots in other literature, namely Statement 14, Financial Reporting for Segments of a Business Enterprise, which was issued way, way back in December of 1976. Also, as I said previously, since 1997, there have been no significant changes to Topic 280 in the last 25 years. So here we are today, and there are changes. So what has not changed and what has changed? Let's talk about that. The ASU does not change how an entity identifies the CODM. The CODM is still the highest level of management responsible for the entity's resource allocation and performance assessment. How an entity identifies and aggregates operating segments also has not changed. A reporting entity must still identify operating segments in the same manner as was done previously. And lastly, the quantitative thresholds used to report reportable segments have not changed in this ASU. However, ASU does change disclosure requirements relating to the following, segment expenses. The ASU requires entities to disclose significant segment expenses that are regularly provided to the CODM and included within each reported measure of segment profit or loss. Other segment items by reportable segment. This amount reconciles the segment revenue less the segment expenses and each reported measure of segment profit or loss. And then the multiple measures of segment profit or loss. If the CODM uses more than one measure of a segment's profit or loss in assessing segment performance and deciding how to allocate resources, a public entity may report one or more of those additional measures of segment profit or loss as long as one of the measures is the one that is closest to gap. For interim financial statements, we're required to disclose all reportable segments profit or loss and asset disclosures currently required annually by Topic 280 as well as those introduced by the ASU. Again, that is being done on an interim basis in addition to the requirement for it to be done on an annual basis. With respect to single reportable segment entities, the ASU clarifies a public entity that is a single reportable segment entity must apply to Topic 280 in its entirety. And then lastly, the title and position of the CODM and how the CODM uses the reported measure of segment profit or loss in assessing segment performance and deciding how to allocate resources must also be disclosed. Valerie, do you wanna discuss these new requirements in more detail? Sure, so let me go back to the requirement to disclose significant expenses on an annual and interim basis. 
the ASU introduces what we refer to as the significant expense principle, and that requires public entities to report information about significant expense by segment included in the reported segment's profit or loss measure or measures if there are several. Under the principle, the entity discloses for each reportable segment the significant expense categories and amounts that are regularly provided to the CODF. So let me repeat here, we are starting from information provided to the CODM, regardless of whether that information is actually reviewed by the CODM. It's an important distinction. Also, the requirement captures not only segment expenses that are regularly provided to the CODM, but also those that are easily computable from the information that is regularly provided to the CODM. Yeah, thanks, Val. I know we've gotten a lot of questions on how a registrant should be interpreting the term significant. Tell us your thoughts on that. That's an excellent question, John. Probably the most complex and judgmental to answer. Topic 280 does not define the term significant or specify how entities may interpret its meaning. However, when entities evaluate whether segment expense categories and amounts are significant, the board expects them to apply the significance threshold in a manner similar to how the threshold is applied in other parts of 280. That means both qualitative and a quantitative assessment, if you will. Also, if the CODM is provided with expense information, there is a kind of presumption that that makes those expenses significant. Yeah, thanks, Valerie. Very helpful. You know, it's interesting, but a registrant should not default to that 10% rule. It's interesting that it's going to be a qualitative and quantitative assessment. Absolutely. So the next category that I want you to talk about is multiple measures of segment profit or loss. I know that that's another hot topic with regards to this ASU. Sure. Tim explained the new ASU permits, but does not require multiple measures of a segment's profit or loss to be reported. You can therefore report several measures as long as one is the measure most consistent with how corresponding amounts in the consolidated financial statements are measured. Even before VSU was issued, actually, you can imagine there were many questions on the interaction of that possibility with the SEC non-GAAP guidance. At the 2023 ICP SEC conference, the SEC staff addressed that interaction. They cautioned that other measures of profit or loss disclosed alongside the measure most consistent with GAAP maybe non-GAAP measures to which SEC regulations apply. They also stated that since such additional measures are not required or expressly permitted by GAAP, and that is because the ASU does not identify specifically those measures that may be disclosed, such as a BDA, for instance, those additional measures, therefore, would be considered non-GAAP measures and they are subject to Reg G. They also encouraged registrants that wish to include additional measures that are not determined in accordance with GAAP to reach out to the staff to discuss their plans. So as you can imagine, this is a very sensitive area 
which perhaps is subject to change in the near future. And we encourage you all to continue to watch for announcements or further guidance from the SEC staff. Yeah, thanks, Valerie. Interesting developments at the SEC conference. You know, Tim, the other hot topic that came out of the conference had to do with single reportable segment entities. So give us a little background on why the new ASU addressed these types of entities and what the SEC staff said at the conference. Sure, John. So during deliberations, the FASB board observed that many single reportable segment entities either do not disclose segment information or do not fully comply with the disclosure requirements that are currently in Topic 280. So the new ASU clarifies that single reportable segment entities will be required to apply Topic 280 in its entirety, which includes disclosing the measure of segment performance that is most consistent with GAAP, as Valerie was just talking about. So now, for entities with a single reportable segment, we understand the SEC staff interprets the phrase most consistent with GAAP to actually mean net income. However, we also understand this mostly relates to such entities that also have a single operating segment, not multiple operating segments that are actually aggregated into a single reportable segment in accordance with Topic 280. However, this area is still subject to significant change, and registrants should continue to watch for updates and further guidance from the SEC staff as well as from their auditors. Thanks, Tim. So take us home with an overview of the effective date and transition. Yeah, no, I can do that. So when do we actually have to start doing something? The effective date for the ASU is for annual periods in 2024. What that means is fiscal period beginning after December 15th, 2023. And then for interim periods, it's in 2025. So interim periods and fiscal periods beginning after December 15th, 2024. And for you overachievers, yes, early adoption is actually permitted. When adopting the ASU, remember that all periods presented in the financial statements are to be adjusted retrospectively for the adoption of this ASU. And when applying the adjustments retrospectively, another thing to remember is that a public entity would first apply the significant expense principle to identify the significant segment expense categories and amounts for the current period as presented, in the period of adoption, and then the entity would then disclose the comparative period amounts for those same categories in those back periods as part of the retrospective adjustment. Valerie and Tim, thank you so much for spending time chatting with us today. That was a great overview of the ASU and some of the developments at the SEC conference, and I'm certainly looking forward to speaking with you again on future podcasts. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this KPMG Financial Reporting Podcast. For more in-depth financial reporting developments, analysis, and podcast episodes, please visit frv.kpmg.us and be sure to subscribe today. Also, we are social. You can also follow us on LinkedIn at KPMG Financial Reporting View or with hashtag KPMGFRV.